How are we doing, Hope City Church? Doing good? You look good. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Jason, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and it's a good day to be together, to be in church, and uh, we are starting our relationship series today. We love to do this every year around this time to just open up the Bible and to see what God has to say about relationships, specifically romantic relationships And uh, so if you're here today and you are happily married, any happily married people in the room, let me hear you. Come on. You sounded kind of happy. I don't know if that's (laughs) totally happy, but maybe you're, you're happily married. Maybe you're unhappily married. Maybe you are wanting to be married. Maybe you are wanting to find somebody to date. I mean, there's something in this for everybody. The only person who will not get anything out of what we're talking about is people who have decided they want to be alone for the rest of their life. Other than that, there's something here for you, and it's going to be a good time. At Throughout this series, uh, Andrea will be participating with me. She definitely gives better relationship advice than I do, and so I'm going to involve her as much as possible. Next week, she'll be teaching, uh, teaching up here with me. This week, she's going to uh, jump up here periodically. I want to tell you this, that anytime throughout the message today... If you have a question, we want to hear it. We want to answer it. And so you can text your question to 502-208-8872. Now, that is a number that goes through Google making your text anonymous. Like, we don't know. There's no name attached to it. We won't know who sends it. So it's an anonymous text that you can send, whether it has to do with the message or uh, maybe it doesn't have to do with the message, but it's just something you've been wanting to ask about relationships Uh, at the end of the message, Andrea will join me up here, and then we'll answer those questions for you. So um, text away and ask those questions, and we'll answer those uh, at the end, okay? We are kicking off this series. It's complicated, and the way this series is going to work is that we are going to look at four statements, four statements that come from traditional marriage vows. And you've been to enough weddings, you probably know what traditional wedding vows are. I, so-and-so, whatever, Jason, take you to be my lawful wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, hopefully richer, uh, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, forsaking all others until death do us part. Uh, So what we're going to do for these next four weeks is we're going to take four statements out of those vows. So part one, this week, I am teaching on uh, I take you as my lawfully wedded spouse. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Part two, next week, Andrew and I will teach together on for better or for worse. We're going to talk about how to love somebody at their worst. That should be pretty good. Number three, part three, we're going to talk about for richer or for poorer. And then the last week, we're talking about until death do us part. And I'm really excited about week four because we have some special guests with us. Dave and Ashley Willis from Augusta, Georgia. They run an incredible marriage ministry uh, literally to millions of people across the, uh, the world. And, um, and Dave is a friend of mine. And so I asked them to be with us and they've agreed to come and it's going to be phenomenal. But also because he's coming in town, we wanted to uh, get as much time with Dave and Ashley as we could. And so uh, we are having on Saturday night, March the 10th, is that right? March the 10th, we are having uh, what we're call- we're just calling it date night, desserts with Dave and Ashley, okay? It's $20, $10 a person, $20 a couple. And uh, it starts at seven o'clock. We're gonna have live music. There's gonna be desserts. 
and uh, it's going to be a good time. And then Dave and Ashley will talk for a little while, then we're going to do some Q&A. We are only selling 100 tickets, and we've already sold 60 of them. It is first come, first serve. So uh, you can register for that, buy your tickets, just open up the app, um, the Hope City Church app, and click on uh, date night, and it'll take you to the page, and you can get registered for that. And we would love to have you be a part um, of that night with us because it's going to be a good time, and then they'll be with us for that weekend. So I take you as my lawfully wedded spouse. That's this week. Next week, for better or for worse. Third week, for richer or for poor. Fourth week, until death do us part. And some of you in the room have already made that commitment to someone. Some of you in the room want to make that commitment to someone. Some of you in the room are going to make that commitment again to someone. But these are words that we say when we marry an individual and fully intend to spend the rest of our our lives together. But what we know is that marriage, like we, we know that a wedding is easy. A marriage is a little more complicated. And even as we plan for that, as we're dating and looking for somebody, we know that it's just so complicated, that there's all of these things that come into play, that if all things were equal and everything was like there was no problems or no extra things happening on the side, then relationships would be fine. But that's not the way life works, that we begin to date and we find out that somebody um, has kids from a previous relationship. And that's cool. We'll we'll check that out. We'll see what that's like. But then as we dive into that, like it complicates things or maybe they share custody or maybe they've been married a few times before and you've never been married or maybe they have a criminal record or maybe they get arrested while you're together or maybe they don't have a job or they had a job and then they lost their job or maybe you decide to get married and then you can't have children and that complicates things or maybe you can have children and you keep having children and that complicates things. Maybe you have a child and there are some challenges with that child and that complicates things. Maybe you're trying to follow Jesus and the person that you're with is not trying to follow Jesus. That complicates things. Maybe you have no money. Maybe you have a lot of money and it complicates things. Maybe you have uh, in-laws that are nosy. It complicates things, right? Just all of these parts of our lives and relationships that complicate things. And so we want to have these amazing relationships. We want to have these God-centered relationships, but it's not as easy as it sounds because there are all of these other things that come into play. And if you don't hear anything else that I say through the next four weeks of this series, please hear this, that the most uncomplicated way to have a relationship is to have a God-centered marriage. That is the most uncomplicated way. It doesn't mean that there won't be complications. Even in 1 Timothy, the apostle Paul said, those of you who get married will have trouble. That's what he said, and we know that's true. But, but, but it is the most uncomplicated way, and that's where we're gonna start this series today. The idea that God created us, when we become romantically involved, whether we're dating right now, engaged, uh, we'll talk a little bit about already being married, but God, God has created us to find the person or to have the person and to take them as our lawfully wedded spouse. 
And so we're gonna start at the very beginning of the Bible. Anytime you're talking about relationships, you have to start at the very beginning of the Bible because there is the first couple, Adam and Eve, and they are the prototype that God shows us how relationships were supposed to be. And we also are gonna get to see some complications uh, that come into play uh, here in, in the story. So Genesis chapter two, we're gonna start with verse 21. Is this for me right here? Thank you so much. You knew my needs before I needed them. Wow, that's amazing. Great illustration for the message right there. All right, Genesis. Oh, okay, well, Christine knows my needs before I say them. It's so complicated. All right, Genesis chapter two, verse 21. We're gonna read for a few verses. This is what it says. It says, so the Lord, God, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, which was probably not that hard. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And when the man looked at her and was like, she's okay. No, that's not what he said. Um, He looked at her and said like, well, I mean, she'll do. That's not what he said. He said, at last, with an exclamation point. Thank you, God. Yes. And there's a backstory here because Adam had spent all the previous time up to this point only with animals. And so God said, I'm going to show you all the animals and you're going to name them. So you can imagine Adam spending all of this time with nothing but animals in the wild. Here's Eve. And he's like, at last. Thank you, God. It's not uh, an animal. Okay. And the man is saying, And then he said something so romantic. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. You can steal that, guys. And she will be called woman, which is really just man with, whoa, uh, because she was taken from man. And this is the statement right here. Are you ready? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife. Did you catch that, fellas? That at some point, you have to leave father and mother. You got to move out. Let's keep going. Join to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let me tell you why I read that last verse, because it makes us giggle a little bit. But more importantly, it shows us that there was a time when there was a couple, there was a husband and a wife with no insecurity, no vulnerability, no shame, no nitpicking, no trying to change one another, no, you know, it was just like, this is who we are, and we are 100% good with that, and good with who you are, and in love with that, and amazed by that, and in awe of that, like, it's not just that they were naked, it's that there was no complications. This was a husband and a wife with no complications. This is the last time in history when there was actually a relationship that was not complicated. And then we turn the page and Eve eats the apple and Adam eats the apple and then it gets complicated. And the first thing that happens when they eat the apple and sinners in the world is they realize they're naked. The first thing that happened after sin entered the world is they they started noticing what was wrong with them. And what was wrong with somebody else? And God comes and and, and does what he does. And so now here we are trying to be married, trying to get married, trying to have God-centered marriages. But the problem is it's complicated. 
because we notice what's wrong with us and we notice what's wrong with everybody else and we're trying to, we're trying to make it work, all right? Now, um, what we're gonna do today is really kind of focus on that statement at the end of what we read that this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is the original and still the current way that God intended romantic relationships to be. There is no context in the Bible for a hookup. There is no, there is no instruction in the Bible for the idea of tender or the idea that, well, we're not really gonna get married, but we're just gonna be friends with benefits or there's no concept in the Bible for the idea that you would be romantically together and in love and have families and be together but not actually be married. There is no model for that in the Bible. There's no teaching or leading to that in the Bible that the, the plan of God in the beginning and it is still the plan of God that a man would look at a woman and his emotion would be at last. Wow. Are you kidding me? And he would leave his past life and he would take his wife and they would become one. Ladies in the room who are not married yet, wanting to, to find someone, free relationship advice for you, okay? I'm just gonna give this to you. This is absolutely free of charge. Take it as you will, okay? If you are with a guy or you find a guy and his reaction and response to you is not, at last, he's not the one. He's not the one. If his reaction and response to you is not, are you kidding me? Wow, unbelievable. No way. He's not the one. This verse does not say that Adam did the math and figured out that it would be cheaper for him and Eve to live together because the rent would not be as much, so he got with her. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that Adam thought, well, I don't want to make an honest woman out of her, so, you know, I guess we probably should get married. It doesn't say that Eve finally wore Adam down and said, come on, I mean, are we ever going to get married? Fine, we'll get married. That's not what it says. It says that Adam saw the woman that God created for him and said, seriously, this is... For me, I have to marry her. Amen. I have to marry her. And so ladies, if you're in a relationship right now or, 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 or you are trying to find somebody and, and, and you're having to convince them that you're amazing, they're not the one. The one will know, get to know you, see you, whatever, and they will say, oh, I, I, have, I have to marry her. I have to marry her. And, and, and so don't settle. Don't settle for somebody who's okay but doesn't think you're unbelievable. Don't do that, okay? So God sets up this structure and, and, and of marriage and he says a man leaves his father and mother and he takes his wife and the two become one. They, two, they become one. And I wanna try to illustrate this for today. It's really kind of simple. Andrea, if you'll come up here and help me. That, that the two become one. And so uh, this rope is just gonna kind of represent Andrea's life. Come on, step over here on the, uh, on the rug here. That, this is gonna kind of represent Andrea's life before she met me. 
um, which is not near as exciting. And then this is going to represent my life before Andrea. And um, so the Bible says, it's a very simple concept, that I ask her to marry me because I have to marry her. And uh, because I, I, I have to in the sense of like, oh my gosh, I have to marry you. And, uh, and, and we commit to one another I leave my father and my mother. In my story, they actually left me, but that's a whole other thing. And they moved to Louisiana, and I didn't go with them. So, um, and we get married. And the Bible says that because we decide to be married, because I take her as my lawfully wedded wife, that the two, my life, her life, begin the process of becoming one. Now, beautiful little illustration, so much harder than I'm making it look right now for two to become one. But this was God's design, the way that he created romantic relationships to end up. That a man would leave his father and his mother. He would take his wife and the two would become one. And the only way that you get this, there's only one way to get this. A man, leave his father and mother and take his wife. Two don't become one because you're in love. Two don't become one because you cohabitate. Two don't become one because you have sex. Two doesn't become one because you have children together. Two doesn't become one because you have a bank account that's together. That's not how two become one. The only way that two become one, according to what Genesis 2 tells us, is that a man sees her and says, wow, and leaves his father and his mother and takes her as his wife. And she takes him as her husband lawfully wedded spouse, and the two begin the process of becoming one. Two never become one because they're high school sweethearts. Two never become one because, you know, they went on a trip to Cancun together, which would be amazing. But anyway, two become one because of marriage. That's how two become one. Marriage. Now you say, well, wait a second, because I'm married or I've been married and we didn't become one. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. But no matter what you do outside of marriage, two can't become one. I have to take someone as my lawfully wedded spouse. I have to take a wife. She has to take a husband in order for two to become one. All right, so take our one life right there and go sit down for me for just a second, okay? (laughs) I don't say that to anybody in the room who is not married now, uh, but is in a relationship. I'm not saying that to make you uh, feel guilty. I'm not saying that to judge you. I'm not trying to come down hard on you. The reason I'm telling you this is because I'm trying to help you and encourage you because you are trying to have the connection and the commitment that God promises that you can have The problem is you're trying to have it outside of the way that God created you to have it. And so you say, I just don't know why. This is not 
You know, I don't know why their kids don't respect me. And anytime somebody says that, I say, it's because you're not married to their mom. Why would they respect you? You sleep in, you sleep in the bed with their mom, but you don't marry her. Why would they respect you? Or, or I don't know why. It just seems like, you know, I'm just really trying to be the spiritual leader of the house, and I just can't be the spiritual leader of the house. And I'll say to the guy, like, you're not married. Why would you be the spiritual leader of the house? Because God created it in a way. Don't get mad at me. We're going to get positive in a second. But God created it in a way that if you do take them as your lawfully wedded spouse, that you now enter into marriage the way God designed for it to be. And you will have your challenges. But the least complicated way is to have a God-centered marriage. And so everything that we're gonna talk about today and for these next four weeks is all centered around the idea that at some point we look at each other and we say, we are going to be married We're going to be married. So if you're in the room today and you are in a relationship that that you're not married, and you and you honestly say, like, I don't I mean, I I don't I probably won't marry him, then you are in a relationship that has no end destination the way God designed it to be. It's just it's not possible, right? If you're in a relationship right now, and you say, well, there's really no difference. It's like we're married, you know, we're not married like technically legally, but it's really no different because, I mean, we're practically married. You're not. Because you two cannot become one unless a man or a woman takes the other person as their legally binding spouse. It's the way that God set it up to be. And as I say that this morning, you say, Jason, that's great. That's exactly what I would expect a preacher to say. That's so old-fashioned. That's so not practical. Because, and we could give all the reasons, right, why, right? We could say, well, because of insurance this and because of this job this and kids this and, and all of these reasons, or I've been that before. I've already been divorced three times. I don't wanna do that again. I'm tired of giving up all my stuff in a divorce or whatever it is. All these reasons where we would say, well, that's just not practical. And what I would say back to you and what I would push back to you is that that's not true in any other area. That, that the Bible gives us a way of life, a way of living for everyone who wants to follow Jesus. And he doesn't give us a way of life so that we go to heaven and we miss hell. That's the, 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 the actions of your life is not what saves you or unsaves you. Belief in Jesus does that. So why would we have all of these teachings and ways of life? Because when we live according to the way that God created and designed for us to live, it blesses our life and it uncomplicates our life. The, the least complicated way for you to live your life is according to the way that God designed life to be lived. Can I give you a couple of examples? So the Bible tells us that debt makes us a slave to the past and robs us of future opportunities because our commitments are still in the past and we cannot commit to the future. That's what the Bible says, that the borrower is slave to the lender. Everybody in this room most likely has debt. This is not a you're awful person. I have debt. We still are paying the University of Louisville. Come on. Anyway, so like it, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and I don't even need to really reiterate it because you know how debt complicates life. You know that. I don't need to tell you that. 
And so even somebody who doesn't follow Jesus, they say, you know, I don't even know, I don't even believe Jesus is real. But you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life financially according to the way that God said to live it. Would everybody in the room agree that that person's life, even if they didn't follow Jesus, would be less complicated? Wouldn't that be true? Because everybody in the room who has debt goes, uh, yeah. The Bible tells us that we should pray and forgive our enemies and those who hurt us. And that when we hold on to hurt and bitterness and anger, that it doesn't punish the person who hurt us, it punishes us. And we put ourselves in a prison, uh, symbolically, emotionally a prison, and, and we lock ourselves up because of the way that we handle conflict. So would it be fair to say that somebody who even didn't follow Jesus, somebody who said, I don't even know if I believe Jesus is real, but I am going to manage conflict in my life the way that the Bible says to manage conflict, would it be fair to say that their life would be less complicated? Amen. Would, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course it would. Because we know what it feels like to be bound by anger, hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness. We know what that's like. Well, let me, let, me give you, let me give you some other ones. The Bible says that sex was created solely for the person that God created, the member of the opposite sex that God created for us to marry. And, and that multiple sexual partners outside of that hinders our ability to truly become one with the person that God created us to marry. Not to feel guilty, we are where we are, but we know that that is what the Bible teaches and we know that the more sexual partners we have, the more our life becomes complicated. We know that's true. I don't have to convince you of that. So would it also be true that somebody who says, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I'm not a Christian, but I tell you what, you know what? I am going to set up my life sexually the way that the Bible says to do it. Would it be fair to say that that person's life would be less complicated? It would be fair to say, wouldn't it? And we could keep going on and on. I could take all your time up today giving you all these examples. The Bible says to work six days and to take one day not working because the more you press the gas, the more you flood the engine. So the Bible says, he calls it a Sabbath, that there should be a day in our life every week where we're not defined by productivity. But if we never say no and we cram our schedules full of every opportunity that eventually we will break down or burn out or our body or our mind will break down or there will be something that breaks down because we were not built to always be pressing the gas. And so even somebody who didn't believe in Jesus but said, you know what, I'm gonna set up my, my life and my schedule according to God's standards for productivity and work, it'd be fair to say their life would be a little less complicated. The Bible says that we should enjoy the pleasures of this life because by enjoying the pleasures of life, we are in a sense worshiping the creator who created them. But he also says that we should do it in a responsible way, the Bible does. And that we, we don't want, we wanna use the pleasures of this life, not have pleasures use us. But if we use those pleasures and, and partake of those pleasures in a gluttonous way, which just means to, to not have any control in our lives, that really what happens is we get addicted and bound to pleasures that were created by God for us in a responsible way, but now we have become bound, and I don't need to convince you because if you are an addict or you love somebody who is an addict, you know just how complicated life becomes when pleasures determine your choices. So would it be fair to say that somebody who was like, I am not even know if I'm a Christian, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus, but you know what? I'm gonna live my life responsibly 
the way that the Bible tells me to when it comes to enjoying the pleasures of this life, would it be fair to say that that person's life would be less complicated? It would. It would. Example after example after example where if we live our life according to the way that God created it to be lived, it is the least complicated way to live. And the best way, and the way that provides us with the most joy, satisfaction, contentment, and blessing in our life. So, here comes God with a way that romantic relationships should be and ways that marriages should look like. And he says, a man leaves his former life and he takes his wife and the two become one. Give me the rope there, babe, for a second. The two become, you're taking notes on my sermon, this is exciting. Um, and the two become one. And so this is God's design. And I think everybody in the room would agree that if we do it God's way, life is going to be a lot less complicated. A lot less complicated. But that would be ideal there if that happened. That's not really how it works. Come on up here. Let's help me out again. Because for what happens to us is we have a rope that looks like this, right? And so we walk to the altar and, and grab you some rope back there if you don't mind, Andrew. We walk to the altar and we say, okay, I want to get married. And the Bible says that two need to become one. So now we're going to tie the knot and two are going to become, are going to become one. So let's go ahead and, and try to go ahead and do that. We gotta, we, now we got to figure out how to make these two ropes become one rope. The problem is... My rope doesn't look like this nice straight little line, right? My rope looks like this. Why? Because I've lived my life in such a way that now I'm trying to become one with a person, but I'm bringing with me all of my mess and all of my baggage. So when you walk to the altar to get married, you're not just bringing yourself, you're bringing your rope. And so I walk up and I'm a guy who is a workaholic because I define my identity by how much I accomplish and what money is in my bank account. I, I have had a, a, a promiscuous past with lots of sexual partners and I don't necessarily view women the way that God created them to be viewed, but I view them as something to, to conquer. I, I'm, a, I'm a functioning alcoholic and I've decided to get married, and so now two have to become one, but this is what I'm bringing to the relationship. And it's not just the guy, we, her, her mess, uh, she could have a mess too. She could have $75,000 worth of student loan debt. She could, she could be bitter and angry because she hasn't had a good relationship with her mother in 20 years because of the way that their relationship is. She could struggle with major depression and anxiety, and so now her rope looks like this, and God says, Get married and two become one. Well, how the heck do we make this look like this? I think it's worth stopping for just a second and saying to everybody in the room today who is not married yet, if I could give you one, the best piece of advice that I could give you 
whether you're in a relationship now that's heading towards marriage or you're not in a relationship that, and it may end up in marriage, the best advice that I could give you is that as you get in a relationship with someone and you find out what their rope looks like, and the more you find out about their rope, the more you realize it is a tangled mess, you're not a bad person because you decide you don't wanna be married to that. That as you look at their rope and you say, I love them, and I don't, I'm not judging them, and I'm not trying to, to be you know, holier than thou or whatever, but like I don't know if I wanna spend the rest of my life trying to untangle all that mess so that maybe one day we could end up like this. Hear me. Not only do you have the right to walk away, you need to run away. You need to run away. And you need to wait on the person that God has for you, not that they're going to be perfect. No way. It's not that they're gonna be perfect, but you're gonna find somebody that you will look at all of their mess and you'll go, you know what? None of that bothers me because I wanna spend the rest of my life untangling that. You're not looking for the perfect spouse. You're looking for a partner because you're gonna stand at an altar with somebody one day for the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time and both of y'all are gonna bring your ropes and they are not going to look like this. They're gonna look like this. And that's okay. We are where we are. But we have to decide together that we know what our ropes look like and we're willing to work together to untangle them. And the only way to get a marriage and a relationship that looks like this, the way God designed it to be, is for you to say to each other, I'm taking you as my lawfully wedded spouse and we are now going to spend the rest of our lives working together to try to get something that looks like this. So you tie the knot and you say, all right, let's start working through it. You wanna know what marriage looks like? This is what marriage looks like. We work together to try to figure out how to untangle my mess. Hey, listen, um, I'm a functioning alcoholic and I need to figure out how to stop because it's ruining my relationship. She knows, I know, we can get through it. We can work on it, but it looks like this. Hey, we just had kids and our relationship is struggling because the kids are sleeping in the bed and I know they don't need to be necessarily, but I love them too much and now everything's different because we were just husband and wife, but now we're mom and dad and she's acting crazy and now I'm acting crazy and I don't know what to do. That's okay. That happens. That's where we are. But this is what marriage looks like because I took you as my lawfully wedded spouse and you took me as your lawfully wedded spouse. And there are times in those relationships where we're not working together like a team. We're playing tug of war and this is fighting for what you want and what you need to be. And marriage can look like that sometimes, but that's not gonna last very long. You come together and you say, two become one. And the only way two become one is we gotta work together. And I'm not, I'm not hiding all my junk over here and I'm like, yeah, let me tell you what's wrong with you. Yeah, you need, to, you need to untangle that right there. You definitely need to pull that through right there. That's exactly right. That, that's your mom. You definitely need to get rid of that right there. That doesn't work. No. We're together because two are becoming one. And I say, hey, listen, I know you're tired right now. Let me take that. Let me work on that. 
I'll work on that. What do you think we should do here? I'm not really sure what to do. What do you think we should do? Hey, we needed to go to dinner and we need to talk about this. Do we have any plans? What are we working towards? What are we going to do? And we work together trying to untangle this mess because the only way to ever become one is husband and wife commit to each other and try to uncomplicate it. And you work and you work and you work and you go, this is so great. We finally made it to a great stretch. It's never been this good. Awesome, enjoy it. It's amazing. Something will happen and you work together and you keep working to untangle the mess. The problem is not her. The problem is me. My relationships are complicated because I'm complicated. My, my relationships are messed up because I'm messed up. But God gives me a spouse and God gives her a spouse that we get to work together. And we're not perfect, but we're partners. You seeing how I can do this any better? I'm kind of stalling here. I'm, this is kind of getting, this is what life feels like sometimes because you have four kids, and the, and, the, and, the, and the two youngest are insane all the time. They're boys, it's okay. You can see where it goes. Uh, you you want to know what marriage looks like? You're looking at it. This is what marriage looks like. Marriage doesn't look like a wedding. Right. Marriage doesn't look like a honeymoon. Those are things that are awesome. You know why you go on vacation? Because you got rope burn and you need to like, get away. <laughs> you go on vacation because you're tired of working on the road. You just want to eat hamburgers and sit by the pool. But then you get back home and you pick the rope up and you untangle it and you keep working on it and you keep working on it. And eventually... Over time, God, 14 years into this thing or five years into this thing or three weeks into this thing, God is weaving it together, weaving it together. And two people are becoming one. And now you look up, you've been married 40 or 50 years and people say, how have you been married 40 or 50 years? I mean, you don't say this, but really you just say, well, we just been untangling rope. We just stuck in there. And it's never 50-50, Sometimes it's 100-0, sometimes it's 80-20, and you trade, and you work, and you work, and you work, and all your friends are getting divorced, and everybody's wanting to know what's the secret. There's no secret. You just work, and you serve, and you love one another, and God begins to make two one. Is this making sense to everybody? So as you think about whether you're in a dating relationship or whether you're already married, listen, if you're not married yet, and you look at their rope and it's a disaster, leave them. That doesn't make you bad, it makes you smart. But if you're married and you've said I do, then we're gonna sit down together and we're gonna put all our cards on the table. We're gonna put all, the, we're gonna hold all the rope up. We're not gonna avoid each other anymore. We're gonna figure out what it is and we're gonna work together. And God says, when a husband takes a wife and a wife takes a husband, and they're willing to be partners together in this thing. That two become, that two become one.
And so for the next four weeks, finishing today and the next three weeks, here, here is the message of this series that we will work through together in everything that we're talking about. Next week, for better or for worse, week three, for richer or for poorer, week four, till death do us part. Here is what I want you to remember, is that when you decide to take somebody as your spouse, you are committing to one another and you're saying, we can get through anything if we work on everything together. We can get through anything if we're willing to work on everything together. Not looking for the perfect spouse, looking for a partner. Not looking for the perfect guy, just looking for a partner so that God can help us to become one. Let's pray.